Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Newman. I'm Professor of Space Law and Policy at the University of Northumbria in Newcastle in the United Kingdom. I'm also International Space Law Advisor for Colstar Technologies. I am Jason Aspiotis, Founder and CEO of Finsophie. Hi, my name is Echo-Jan van der Veen. I'm Head of Strategy and Managing Director for OGB Venture Capital. I listen to the Coldstar Project. And I listen to the Cold Star Project. And I listen to the Cold Star Project. I mean, the critical criteria is this person is open to change themselves. If we start to get a situation where somebody's going, well, you know, I, I, need, I need processes that my team can follow and I need a this and that. And, and, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, you can have procedures stuck in a folder somewhere till they're coming out of your ears. If nobody's following them, they're a fat lot of good. But you know, if somebody is starting to point, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that, I need that, and they're, everything that they're pointing towards, what they think they need is external, then we alarm bells will start to ring. Welcome back to the Cold Star Project. I'm Jason Canigan, the founder of this thing, Cold Star Technologies, a data science and process improvement firm. That means we make good companies better. And I'm here with Annabelle Beckwith, founder of Yara Journeys over in the United Kingdom. Uh, Scotland, actually. We had a great conversation last week and I said, you know, you, you really have to be on the show because more people need to find out about you, that you exist. Um, there is a great uh, spot, I think, that you are better than we are for helping um, certain kinds of businesses and, and people with certain values, right? Uh, and so I'd like to get those out on the table so that folks can learn about it, hear about it and go, oh, that's for me. I should go talk to Annabelle. So thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for inviting me, Jason. All right. Well, let's begin with a simple question. Where did you come up with the name Yara Journeys? What, what does the Yara mean? Um, I looked it up and it was, there were some definitions, but I wanted to hear your story. So, so um, it was about 10 years ago that a friend and I were talking about setting up some kind of a something and we wanted to, um, we wanted the business title to, uh, to convey this impression of metamorphosis. Um, and you know specifically going from the caterpillar to the mm -hmm. cocoon to, to the butterfly so we toyed about with various ideas and my friend came back and said there's this Arabic word Yara which means butterflies we thought brilliant that's the one mm. um, and then skip forward a little while I was actually um, working with a client in Saudi Arabia and whilst I was over there one of the ladies in the program said um, why have you called your business Yara and you know there's that kind of oh my days uh, moment where you think what if it doesn't mean what right. what if it means table or lavatory or you know or tree or something completely random or indeed unpleasant and then thank goodness she said oh my daughter's called Yara so I thought well it's going to be something nice um and it's actually a small flower a flower that blooms in the desert and for me that was that was also it wasn't quite the metamorphosis that we'd initially intended to be the 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 kind of thing behind the the business title um, but that whole idea of blooming and thriving in adversity and despite your surrounding is is one that I thought yeah okay okay we'll stick with that so so that's why Yara and that's where it comes from okay well that, that matches up with what I read and also yeah, it gives a little extra to the story. Okay, well, let, let's look at um, who the ideal kind of person or organization is that you help. Um, why do you want to work with them specifically? Why, why do they want to work with you? So um, my ideal client is, is a business, uh, business owner, probably a founder leader of a, of a business or a chief executive that's been brought in you know, shortly after investors have, uh, have, have come in. But somebody who is tasked with growing their business because growth, meets, uh, growth means change. Mm. Um, and I like to work with them at the start of that growth 
process, basically. So in some instances, there are companies that are high six figures moving into seven figures. Most of the time, it's seven figures, about sort of three to five million turnover, moving to 10 million plus turnover. But for me, the, the, the crucial thing is what is the nature of the, the business, the leader themselves, and indeed the team that they're running? What's the size of the team? So sort of 30 plus. Um, and also a leader with a leadership team of some of, of some sort. It's not just the, the, it's not just the, the solo person trying to sort of plough forward on their own. Um, so in essence, that's it. It's the business owner who is looking to, to grow and scale. And the reason I want to work with that particular uh, individual, that particular group of individuals, is because that's the time when a company is just poised for growth. It's just about to take off. That's the point where actually as a leader, you start to lose control. You, you, you know, you might have been uh, growing the business instinctively up until this point and felt that you had a firm handle on it. And now it's kind of slipping through your fingers because there's more people, there's more processes that need to be in place. Um, there's, there's a different structure that you're having to manage. You're having to deliver results through other people. Um, and th those are the crucial factors. So um, that's, that's who my ideal client is and who, who I specialize in working with. Okay, that's some great um, focus there. So the, the, the point at which they start feeling like they're losing control, that's an interesting thing to call out. Uh, do you help them get comfortable with not feeling in 100% control or do you help them reassert that feeling of control? Uh, do you know what? It's it's probably a bit of both because it's mm. almost like from uh, I refer to myself and I know these terms are kind of like thrown about, you know, mm -hmm. could mean anything to anybody really, but a, a consultant, a trainer and a coach. Mm. So from the consultancy and the training process, uh, side of things, it's a question of looking at the business and going, right, OK, this is what this is where you are now. This is where you want to get to. Here are some of the practical things, some of the strategic things that you need to have in place in order to get there. The coaching piece comes around what you just said there, Jason, about mm. And what are your comfort levels with leading the business forward to that to that promised land that you've just uh, that you've just described there? Because oftentimes, and you'll probably have found this yourself, people will be thinking, "Yeah, I know that's I know that's what I need to do, and that's where I'm going." But is it going to work for me? Am yeah. I the person to lead it forward? Do I have the personal capability to do it? And it's like, "Well, yes, you do," but there's still going to be things that you need to learn. Um, so it's about um, it's about building the confidence and having the level of control where you, you are confident that you're doing the right thing. You're on the mm. right track. You know this because actually what we're working through is based on proven principles that are, are you know, every business all over the world do this and it works. Um, so that's where the element of control comes from mm. in that you have that confidence that it's best practice. Um, but it's also about developing the, the personal resilience of the leader because we're never quite, you know, control's an illusion really, isn't it? Mm. Anyone who thought they had a strategy for 2020, <laughs> that's gone out the window, hasn't it? Um, so it's how do we, how do we maintain uh, our core set of values, our purpose, and how do we build our own personal resilience to be able to lead our business and to thrive along with our team? despite circumstances. So there's a, there's a bit of a balance. And whilst there are principles to follow, obviously enough, because of the coaching element, it's going to be unique to each person because they themselves are unique. Mm. Okay, let's, let's go to a definition here because you just said different things 
terms mean different things to different people. And so I want to check in with you about what scaling means to you. If I talk to uh, somebody who's really good at HR, they're going to say uh, scaling is about hiring the best people and here are the best practices to do that. If I talk to a Facebook ads person, they're going to tell me that's what scaling is. And, you know, this is how we do it. So what does scaling mean for you? Well, to be honest, it's all of the above. And that's, uh, that's from my point of view where it gets interesting because it is going to involve, you know, if you're, if you're scaling, you've got, to, you've got to pay for that, haven't you? Mm -hmm. So you've got to generate more revenue. It's going to have to mean upping your sales. However, it doesn't mean doing more things, you know, running harder and faster. It's going to mean working in a different way, being more strategic about your sales and more canny about the sort of clients and customers that you're looking to acquire and those kind of things. Um, but it's about business growth in all its facets, I think, because it's scale up isn't just about generating more revenue and bringing more team and it's actually building the infrastructure that supports your aspirations. And that's going to run across all areas of your business, the finance, the sales, the, the, the product or service delivery, the HR, the, the market, everything, everything. So you have to, you can't just go sales or hiring a team because it's going to implode if you don't have that infrastructure. Hmm. Okay. And that, that is a key phrase uh, for, for both of us. Um, mm. I like to say that Cold Star is the installers uh, for the space industry and that sort of plumbing, electrical framing, that kind of thing. Um, Tell us a little bit about what that translates into you when you say infrastructure, what processes and systems uh, do you help your clients with? So um, from my own personal point of view, I take a, a sort of a high level strategic point of view. So that the first thing to do is to say, well, what is your strategy? Now, we tend to take for granted, right, we've got a strategy. Have you? Tell me what it is. How is it articulated? <laughs> on a one pager so that everyone gets it. And even like the person who's at the coal face at the reception desk or, you know, building widgets in the factory floor, they know how what they do fits into the strategy. What is your strategy? Oh, uh. and mm -hmm. so it's not just the strategy, it's the articulation of the strategy. And then we work down into, okay, if that's your strategic, if, if those are your objectives for the next, let's say five years, whatever your time frame is, and this is what you need to do first. So those become your strategic priorities for the next 18 months, say. How does that translate into all areas of your business? Now, at that point, um, I'll continue to work with the senior team. And then I partner up with other organizations, mm -hmm. other individuals who I've known for many years and absolutely trust uh, with, with my own business, never mind anyone else's, who... You know, who are experts in their particular area. So if somebody's saying, well, actually the finance, mm, finan well, it's like, okay, let's bring in John, let's bring in Ian, who are chartered accountants mm -hmm. and here in the UK. But again, in terms of the, the, the principles of, of, of managing your finances and budgeting for that ongoing strategy, they're second to none. Suzanne is there on human resources when it comes to the strategic side of that and really putting together the nitty gritty there. Um, other people who are technical experts, learning experts. So a variety of different um, people that I work with on a regular basis basis on an associate basis mm -hmm. um, but also you know I, I work with people like you Jason you know we had a really great conversation mm -hmm. as you say last week and saw right there's some synergies here so um, so I, I partner with others who are specialists in particular fields mm -hmm. yeah and folks can go to your website which is yara-journeys.com and, and see some of those, yeah, uh, affiliate partnerships that you've got. It's not just you by yourself, just like uh, my business is not me alone. I've got advisors and, and 
loads of people that I can pull in. Uh, Jason Canigan will not be designing rocket fuel, right? But we can, we can go get somebody or we've got somebody actually, Dr. Rick Fleeter, who could do that. And that's, that's, yeah, their area that they can specialize in. When you're looking inside other folks' uh, businesses, what, what values, culture, KPIs and that do you see where you go, aha, I, I've got to zero in on that. That's important. Do you know what? I don't think there's one answer to that. Um, what will tend to happen is that when you, because you know, you don't, you don't just march in, you know, some, you've spoken to somebody and it's usually somebody at a senior level um, and they will have expressed frustration that something is going on frustration that something's going on so it might be well nobody's nobody's very proactive i feel like i've got to micromanage everybody or and and there are indicators like that we think hmm, hmm i wonder what's going on there or i mean it, it could be absolutely anything but off the back of that then you start to peel below, below the layers and think ah okay it's the reason that nobody's being proactive and putting ideas forward is that you as the leader have played to your strengths and you know you were growing this company on your own for a while and then you started to take team members on but uh, you just wanted them to follow your instructions so that's what they do you don't encourage them to contribute ideas you're mm -hmm. happy to um, just take on your own ideas if somebody comes up with an idea it's yeah that's great but we're going to do this so unwittingly you are training them not to bother submitting ideas just to do what they're told and at some point that's going to turn around and bite you on the backside because you are then the bottleneck when it comes to ideas um, and you're not leveraging, the, you know, the, the, the skills of your of your team, basically. So it might be something like that. Or it, it's it. So it, there's usually something that the leaders will say or the leadership team will say or the founder will say that's a source of frustration for them. And then you start to look at the um, <coughs> excuse me. You start to look at what's happening elsewhere in the business and you can see, right, actually, it's the way that you've been leading them that has brought them to this particular point because everyone's a co-creator of their culture, whether they like it or not. Or um, I will obviously work through my, my five piece framework. It's well, they're not particularly proactive because they're not clear on the strategy. They don't know where they're going or you know, you're, you're not managing their performance. So they've not got clear goals or your processes are actually driving the wrong behaviors. Hmm. and so on so it's usually you know there'll be a presenting problem the way i tend to think of it in in metaphorical terms is is like let's let's imagine like up there on the wall behind me in the corner there's like a damp patch covered in mold hmm. one of the things i'm not going to do is get some paint and slap it on and, and just think right that's it what i'm actually going to do is get somebody in to say Where, where's that coming from and maybe it's the gutter outside or maybe there's some other problem in the building works that's where it needs to be fixed where the source of the issue is not not just kind of papering over the cracks so that tends to be uh has a, a metaphor for how it often works within businesses okay the, the involvement of other people is very interesting and, and the idea that whether you like it or not or whether you know it or not, you are co-creating that culture. Uh, and yeah, if, if a founder is kind of headed off under their own steam and been the source, single source of ideas, uh, this is what you're talking about when you say people need to work in a more savvy manner in order to scale. Uh, you cannot be that bottleneck and uh, the only one coming up with ideas. So. What other kinds of situations have you seen where, um, I, let's, let's say you're happy to be involved, right? Uh, you, you see these symptoms and you're like, ooh, I can do something about this. That, that I think I would like to hear about. 
Okay, well, I think one of the key things for like, okay, there's one or two issues here that, that my team and I can help you with. Obviously, if we think, oh my days, you know, then like, let's not pretend that we're going to be able to sort this out. The critical thing is that the leader and the leadership team are open mm -hmm. to open to change and not just, you know, you do hear this, come in and fix my team. And you mm -hmm. go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Might not be the <laughs> team. It's not going to work, I'm afraid. Um, so somebody who has a mindset to, to grow and develop personally as, and professionally, as well mm -hmm. as, as, as looking at their team. Um, and um, so that's that's the first criteria. But but again, it's it's this it is. I come back to that metaphor of like there's a patch of there's a problem over here, but the actual issue is over there. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, because the business owner, it's like this: they they can't see the yeah. forest for the trees because um, they're in amongst it. So, like in one instance, there was a, a, an organisation where they were saying, right, we need to, we need to train our, our customer service team because, you know, the poor guys, they are on the brunt of angry customers mm. and we just need them to like calm down, recognize, you know, that they mustn't take it personally, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we thought, okay, we go in and talk to the customer service team and find out that most of the complaints are about faulty goods getting sent out from the factory or the wrong goods being dispatched to the wrong place. And you think, Head it off at the past, change your KPIs in the factory. So it's not just numbers, 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 mm -hmm. it's numbers and quality. There's some kind of something. There are different checks and balances over there. And then you won't, you, then, then training your, your staff, yes, you might still get the odd complaint and so on. But clearly, you've not spoken to your team. You've just, oh, let's train them because they've got lots of angry people to deal with. Even a, a rudimentary conversation between the leadership team to say, listen, what are people complaining about would have raised the issue that actually, I think there's something going on in the factory. Great, let's fix that and head it off at the past. So it's that sort of thing that is reasonably, um, reasonably easy to, to pinpoint where it can become tricky but still if the person is open-minded there's still plenty of scope for for improvement and actually making a difference to the working working environment but also to the bottom line of that business um in a very measurable way is where is where where the leader realizes that actually is them hmm. so for example there was uh, like one organization where um, the person who was the leader had kind of risen up through the ranks, and that's always an interesting, um, uh, what's the word, an interesting dynamic anyway. So peers and colleagues with everybody else, and suddenly they start, right, so they're still pals, they're still friends with all of these guys, and that can be a difficult dynamic to, ma to manage from, you know, from everybody's point of view. But culturally, it can become problematic, because unless they shift their leadership style and focus, mm -hmm. somebody else who's a strong character is just going to go, well, I'm not listening to you. He was, was only five minutes ago. He was standing next to me on the production line. Who's he think he is, you know, and, and all of this kind of stuff. And, um, and sometimes there is this kind of, Oh my goodness, it's because I've, I've just kind of done this and I should have made a bolder decision. I should have been more definite in my leadership style. Mm -hmm. I should have made my mark, not by being a dictator, not by suddenly, right, it's, it's my way or the highway, but by leading in a different way and embracing that leadership role and the responsibility that comes with that, rather than being laissez-faire about it, letting everything evolve mm -hmm. and then thinking, oh my goodness, uh, it might be my, my title as the managing director or the chief executive over the door, but you know, Jim in sales is the one who's actually running the company because he's the person that everybody goes to. So it's, it's sometimes it's a question of fixing that. That's more challenging. That's more right. challenging, but it's, but not impossible.
Okay. Boy, there's a, there's a lot going on there. Uh, I have an episode from season one, which hopefully I'll remember to link to in the description about uh, symptoms versus problems and this uh, bell tower example that I've got where the stuff, the tire fire in front of you is where you think you're going to get the best results putting out. But the thing is, your business is probably even going on without dealing with that tire fire and it hasn't really hurt you. And in fact, what you uh, should be focusing on is something you're ignoring because you go, I've already dealt with that. And that is, that is very common. Um, How do you filter for the right kind of person? I I personally have found that, especially, uh, you know, four years ago when I started this business very early on the first year or so uh, difficult, it was challenging to filter for the right kind of uh, person to be a client for us. Um, And obviously, you know, you're looking for that person who's willing to, um, self-examine, you know, and go, okay, is it, could it be me, right? Rather than outwardly, it's all them, it's got to be them. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's like there's a set of questions. I think it always, always starts out with a, a consultative conversation mm. um, and just something where you start to get a sense of what does the leader feel that the issues actually are and you know and that varies massively massively it could be that um they're saying right we're coming up to a period of change and growth and i want to get it right first time and i know there's things i need to do and you just get a a sense of okay as the i mean the critical criteria is this person is open to change themselves if we start to get a situation where somebody's going, well, you know, I, I need I need processes that my team can follow, and I need a, this and that, and 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 you're thinking, oh, yeah, you can have procedures stuck in a folder somewhere till they're coming out of your ears. If nobody's following them, they're a fat lot of good. But you know, if somebody is starting to point, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that, I need, and they're everything that they're pointing towards what they think they need is external, then we alarm bells will start mm-hmm. will start to ring. Um, and um, and oftentimes, like the starting point is, is is a bit of an audit with that particular organisation. So taking what the leadership team say uh, or the, the leader says are the issues, and then cross-checking that with other opinions within the business. And there's been one or two occasions where actually the leadership team have been quite reluctant to to let my colleagues and I go in and speak to people at grassroots, even though they were saying, "Listen, we're just fact finding because it can't mm-hmm. just be your perspective; it's it's everybody's perspective to really get to the." Oh no 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 no! It's definitely this. We've done all that. Then we think, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, and then it it becomes like if we, if we can't, you know, actually, Jason, if we're not allowed, if we can't be, if we won't be allowed to do our job and to analyze the situation in our best professional capability, then we, we can't help you because you're wanting mm. us to fix everything else and without you changing anything. So what will happen is even if we get all of that fixed, mm-hmm. it's gonna revert back to what it is now because you yourself haven't changed. So it is, it is in the early stage of conversations and you know, to be honest, having been doing this for a long old time now, you start to spot the signs quite early on like anything mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Yeah, so so critical. Um, if I, I want to find out, this is this is now we're digging for the dirt. Um, yeah. 
frustrating things that you've encountered in the marketplace over and over again that if you could wave a magic wand and uh, change people so that before they came to you this was fixed right or taken care of already it could be limiting belief uh, uh, misplaced value something where they're not valuing a certain situation or maybe misunderstanding completely the nature of a problem what would what kinds of things would you like fixed do you know what it's actually that's actually quite a tricky question because mm. I think the, the, the thing is, um, it probably is that personal accountability, personal accountability and self-awareness thing. Because mm -hmm. if a leader is saying, listen, I've led the business so far, it's, it's doing all right, but I know I need yeah. to, then we're fine. Even if they don't know quite what they need to do or quite where, because you know, there will be strengths. They've done brilliantly well so far because mm -hmm. they've brought a company successfully to this point. But, you know, there's going to be things I always say, like learn, leverage or leave. There's going to be new things to learn as you move forward. There's going to be strengths that you can leverage and there's going to be things that you have to leave behind because it no longer serves you. So if somebody's in that mindset, it's fine. The frustrating thing is where somebody is going, no, it's somebody else, it's not me, it's somebody else, it's not me, in which case I really can't, really can't work with you. Um, mm -hmm. But otherwise, I, I must say, I, I, we're all work in progress. Mm -hmm. Um, we've all got things that we just don't know, not because we're mm -hmm. idiots, but because we just haven't learned it yet. Um, and so I do have a huge amount of compassion for and respect for anybody who was at that point where they're going, I want to move this forward. Mm -hmm. I want, I want to thrive. I want to, my team to thrive. I want my business to thrive. I want to be, you know, this isn't just me filling my own pockets here. I, I want to be making a difference to my clients and so on. Help. That's it. Hmm. That's the thing. <laughs> And anything else could be, you know, that anything else can be can be filled in because I don't, I really don't think that you can blame people for stuff that they don't know, stuff I don't know, stuff everybody doesn't know. We're all work in progress. So for me, that's a massive thing. That mindset is the biggest single thing, um, and I genuinely can't think of, I genuinely can't think of anything where, where I would be just going, oh, facepalm. Here we go again. They know nothing about. I, I really can't think of anything. Okay. Well, I do want to, as, as our final thought sort of thing, pull, pull out something you said earlier, which struck me as you said it. And I went, huh, I need to do some more thinking about this myself as a cha managing change expert. <laughs> I have good at that, right? Something you said was um, growth means change, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I would bet that that's an uncommon opinion out there off the cuff. Um, I suspect that growth to a lot of people means doing more of the same thing, like more quantity or having more engines running and producing more of the same thing. And that's growth, right? We're just going to yeah. repeat what we did over and over and over again at scale, right? And magic, rinse and repeat. Um, oh. And yet growth means change. And for, for you, that means maybe changes in measures, uh, going and finding the root cause of things, which is always important. Uh, and what other factors have you involved, uh, seen involved in this change? Um, in in some instances, it's it's fundamentally. I mean, it doesn't. You know, in some instances, it's it it can be massive. In mm -hmm. some instances, it's like we need to tweak this and this, and then we're mm -hmm. on that trajectory. Um, and growth, like so, we're talking about. Are we, and I'm going to use jargon now, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, almost can't stop myself. Are we talking about incremental change or incremental mm. growth? Where we're saying, right, we're going to increase by like 
15 20% you know double digit growth that corporate phrase that means nothing i mean at least be specific about exactly what you want to achieve but anyway we're going for that level of growth or is it actually we want to transform the way in which we do business we want to we want to double in size in the next 18 months we want to expand internationally so so there's there's levels um there's levels of growth now the, the more if it's just incremental growth then yeah that's fine you know bring another couple of people in you're doing more or less the same thing and because you've got a few more people you're generating more revenue that it's etc etc and it, it grows in a in a in it grows effectively it's mm -hmm. a stable you know strong and stable growth etc etc but if you're looking to transform the way that you do things it's going to involve it's going to involve change but it's going to involve change in the way that you lead and as the person who's the founder, it's like as your business grows and scales, it's not just you leading everybody else, it's you and your leadership team and maybe supervisors and so on. There's leaders at all levels of your organization now. What are they doing? Have you trained them? Have you told them how to be a leader? Or are they just, oh, you're really good at doing job X, lead the team to do job X. Well, that's going to work well, isn't it? If they don't know how to lead a team to do job X. Um, but it's like, if you're wanting to really grow, and let's take sales as an example, mm. simply putting your sales team under pressure to like crack the whip, more, more, mm -hmm. faster, more, we're just gonna put your targets up. That's not going, that's just not, no. Um, so the measures will have to change and, um, and the strategy will have to change. Mm. So again, just as an example, um, a company that uh, I, I, I came across, I didn't, it was, there were a few issues at the lead. It was one of the ones where I went, thank you so much, all the best. Buy, um, but within that particular organisation, um, they had a huge portfolio of products, and because uh, because they were looking for quick revenue, quick revenue, quick revenue, that's what that's what the sales team were actually getting their monthly bonus on. Yeah, I've got my tick the box, tick the box. So their measures were forcing a behaviour where they just went out and sold small things. What they could have done is gone into the same businesses and said, "I know you've been buying notepads and pens from us." Did you know that we did photocopiers and desks and, you know, or what? Oh, I hear you're, you're refurbishing your office. Let me submit a proposal. You know, and it's not, some, it's not necessarily a quantum leap into the unknown. It's just thinking a little bit more strategically about where is that bigger sale going to come from? Yes, it's going to take longer because it's not notepads and pens. It's significantly more expenditure and it's going to take longer time. But how do we build those measures in so people aren't just thinking about their monthly bonus? They're thinking about business growth and how that's going to benefit everybody including them in the long term mm -hmm. so it's um so, and that and that, that does mean change because it means a shift in thinking first and foremost and a shift in behaviors and habits and and doing doing things differently or doing some different things okay and we've talked about perverse incentives on this show before as well, which are um, measures that, that make your people do things that are not in the best interests of the long-term survival of the organization yeah. or themselves, but uh, look good in the short term because that's what's getting rewarded. And so that is a thing to watch out for, for sure. Uh, Annabelle, for those who are resonating with you, where should they go? What should they do to get in contact with you? So please do go to my website at www.yara, that's Y-A-R-A hyphen journeys.com. And there's a contact form there and my, my contact details and so on. So please do get in touch there. I am also on LinkedIn, um, Annabelle Beckwith. Um, and I'd be delighted to connect with anybody there as well. Those are the two easiest, uh, the two best ones. 
Right. Or on Facebook too, but, uh, <laughs> but LinkedIn's the main one. Right. Yep. LinkedIn is the best. All right, Annabelle, thanks for being here.